Germany has a long, fascinating history. From its position atop the EU to its dubious front and center role in the Second World War, Germany has existed since the time of the Holy Roman Empire, circa 962 AD. And millions of German people have made their ways to the shores of North America. Canada is home to over 3 million people of German ancestry. Nowadays, aside from its EU role, many people would think of German as a country filled with beautiful landscapes and fabulous beers. From lowlands and coasts to forests right up to the Alps, Germany's diverse landscapes feel in a lot of ways like a reflection of Canada's, and so do its beers. And when I was doing research for the podcast, one of the places with many of those diverse landscapes was Bavaria, home of Munich, Berchtesgaden National Park in Nuremberg, a town whose history following World War II is well known. But this isn't a story just about Germany. Oh my, no. It's also a story about feuding brothers and shoes. Join me as we head to the town of Erlangen by way of Amsterdam and Gothenburg to find out what life is like for a long-transplanted Canadian on the expats. Welcome to the expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Scott Kozman knows what it's like to live the expat life. He's lived all over Western Europe, and now he finds himself in a little German town. Well, not a town exactly. I'm in Erlangen, which is a suburb of, or I guess a suburb of Nuremberg. So Erlangen itself is only about 100,000 people. Oh, okay. Uh, But it's a a university town. So there's a... uh, a huge medical university here. And also, if you're familiar with uh, the company Siemens Engineering and Appliances and Electronics, they're headquartered here as well. So it's basically a town full of doctors and engineers <laughs> and students. Wow. That's really about it. So It actually it actually sounds kind of like Edmonton. It, only about one-tenth of the size, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Erlangen <laughs> yeah. isn't the first uh, expat experience of yours, is it? No, no. I've uh, I've basically been working to subvert the entire subcontinent for the last <laughs> eight years. Um, uh, do you want the whole story or? Uh, yeah. No, I yeah, want the whole story. Sure. All right. Um, I was living in Calgary. So I'm originally from the Edmonton area, as I think you know, uh, raised in St. Albert. But uh, I was living in Calgary in kind of the late first decade of 2000s. And in 2009, my wife and I moved from Calgary to Amsterdam. Uh, I was working for an advertising agency in Calgary called Critical Mass. They moved about a dozen of us to Amsterdam to work for Adidas for a year. Cool. And hang on to that because that becomes important later on. Okay. Um, and so in 2009, I moved over to Amsterdam, was supposed to spend a year in Amsterdam. And after that year ended, my wife and I decided we didn't want to go back to Canada because someone paid for us to move to Europe and why not stick around for a little while longer? Uh, so we ended up staying and uh, moved to Sweden for two years. So I li- spent two years in Gothenburg, Sweden, uh, following that, working for another advertising agency there. 
uh, moved back to Amsterdam for another four years, working for a, a couple of small different advertising and production companies doing work for Adidas once again, hmm. working on a lot of advertising campaigns for Adidas. Uh, and now I'm working for Adidas in Germany. So uh, I went from being a, a client of theirs to working inside the machine, basically. Wow. So uh, all you can, all you could possibly own shoes? Is that one of the perks? Uh, I wish. Um, <laughs> I actually have yet to take advantage of the employee discount, which is really nice, but I haven't actually taken advantage of it yet. Uh, mostly because I'm stupid, I think, <laughs> is... Uh, I don't know why I don't own more Adidas gear, but uh, that'll come eventually. I've only been here for, uh, what is it now, mid-June. I've only started in, at Adidas in February. Oh, so I've okay. only been here for a few months. Okay. And uh, and you said yeah. you, you and your wife you know, decided that because you were already in Europe, you were going to continue the, the experience of living abroad. Was that a difficult decision to arrive at? No, it wasn't actually. Um, truth be told, we'd been looking for an opportunity to to expand our, our wings a little bit. Uh, we actually spent a year living in the United States before all of this, uh, 2004 to, or two, two years, 2004 to 2007. Uh, we lived in the Seattle area uh, and had always kind of wanted to to expand a little bit, to explore. You know, we don't have children. We didn't own property. So it was really easy for us to be a bit more nomadic. Uh, even back in before Seattle, back in the early 2000s, I remember looking for, for work over in Europe. I'd, I'd applied at a couple of advertising agencies in Ireland. And I remember sitting up at uh, four in the morning, uh, hoping to get a phone call from a recruiter who was based in the EU at that point. And, uh, you know, obviously that didn't happen at that point, but, uh, yeah, we'd always kind of wanted to live abroad, have a chance to see some new cultures, new countries, that sort of thing. And so when the opportunity came up for us to actually stay over here, maybe put down some roots, it, it was a pretty easy decision for us to make. Yeah. Now, you, you spent some time in the U.S. You spent some t a lot of time in Canada. You, mm -hmm. you started out your European journey in Amsterdam. So tell me a little bit about what life was like in Amsterdam. What are the people like? Was it a huge adjustment for the two of you? It was a pretty big adjustment, yeah. Uh, it was really helped out by the fact that the company that moved us over actually moved over about a dozen of us at the same time. Uh, so I had a few colleagues from the Calgary area who came over with me right around uh, about the same month that we moved over. So I had some built-in friends already, which was nice. Uh, but of course, moving to a, a new country, a new city with a different language uh, was a, a pretty big adjustment for both of us. Uh, every country that I've lived in, every new language that I've had to learn, I've uh, I've had to relearn the basics, like going grocery shopping, walking into a store and seeing packages of food with labels that I can't understand. Uh, I've actually accidentally bought buttermilk in every country I've moved to. Uh, so things like that, going into a restaurant and not being able to understand the menu at first. Uh, there's definitely some adjustments like that. Amsterdam is actually on mainland Europe, so outside of the United Kingdom. As someone who only speaks English, Amsterdam is probably the easiest city in Europe to move to. Yeah. Uh, because English is so broadly spoken there. Because the Netherlands, and Amsterdam specifically, is such a multicultural uh, labor force. There are so many uh, international companies that have headquarters in the Netherlands. Uh, you've got people from all over the world that have come there. Especially living in the city center of Amsterdam, English has pretty much become the the mother tongue there, the de facto language that everyone uses. Wow. Uh, 
So it, I don't. I can't think of any times living in Amsterdam where I'd walk into a shop or walk into a a restaurant or something and not be able to communicate with someone. Well, that's good. Uh, which was which was very nice. Uh, as my first time living abroad, it was a really good introduction to a different culture, a different language, but still be able to use English quite easily. That's cool. Uh, not the case in in Sweden or in Germany. Uh, <laughs> so I've had to adapt a little bit more, but. Um, I've become a little bit uh, a little bit more comfortable with that. Really, I'm more comfortable with making an idiot of myself when I walk into a shop now. <laughs> so there's a lot of I imagine there's a lot of hand gestures that go along with uh, communicating. Yeah. Pointing at pictures of things is uh, restaurants with menus that have photos in them are great because even if you can't say I want this dish, you can point to a picture on the menu and you know that gets the message across pretty quickly. We don't serve buttermilk in glasses, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that because that stuff is terrible. I'm curious. Does not go well in a cup of coffee first thing in the morning. I'll guarantee you that much. I'm really curious about you know how that mistake has been made each in each of these countries. Does does the packaging on buttermilk in Europe just look so appetizing that it must be drinkable? Well, you know, I love butter, so what's not to like, right? Um, well, in the Netherlands, it, the way the milk was packaged, at least in the grocery store that was across the street from my apartment. You have, you have the word milk, M-E-L-K, which is like, okay, milk, I can understand that. But then you'd have regular, like skim milk, regular milk, buttermilk, and it's all the same packaging, just different colors. Ugh. And I just kind of grabbed one. And the first time this happened to me, I, I grabbed a small container of it, brought it home, made coffee, poured some of my coffee, and it curdled up and lumped up like buttermilk does. Of course, I thought I probably just bought a carton of milk that happened to have gone bad quickly. So I went and I got the same one again <laughs> and brought it home and had the same thing happen again. And then one of my few, this is my first week in the Netherlands, one of the few Dutch people I'd gotten to meet at that point, I was explaining this to him and he's like, oh, you bought buttermilk. Oh, man. I should have realized this, but. Hey, man, it, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> you know, so many new things to learn. Types of milk was pretty low on my priority list at I, that point. I imagine so. Now, so at, you said after Amsterdam, you went to Gothenburg? Yeah. In Sweden. Yeah. And tell me yeah. about some of the differences between the Dutch people and the Swedish people. I assume there are some. Definitely, yeah. Um, and I, I apologize in advance to any of my Dutch friends who might listen to this at some point, because the Dutch are a very, a very direct, a very blunt people by and large. In fact, oftentimes you go into a restaurant or something in the Netherlands and you think that the server actually hates you. Uh, <laughs> and they don't. Uh, once you get to know people in the Netherlands, they're, they're lovely people, but, but they're very direct. Uh, whereas you move to Sweden and Swedes are actually, I found Swedes very similar to Canadians in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, very unassuming. Um, in fact, what I learned very quickly in Sweden was that pretty much every Swede speaks English better than I do. <laughs> uh, but it was very hard to use English in a lot of places, not because people didn't want to use it or there was a, a sense of, well, I'm in my country, so you should speak my language. It was actually because the average Swede that I would come across was at first very, almost very self-conscious and very scared to make a mistake in English and embarrass themselves. Oh. And once you get past that, then you realize, like I said, they speak better English than me. But you could, you could see there was almost this hesitance because they, they were afraid of either embarrassing themselves or offending me by, by saying an English word wrong. And, and then very apologetic about this afterwards, which is where it becomes very similar to Canadians in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, but no, moving to Sweden was, was a, a fantastic experience. I'd never been to Sweden. Neither my wife or I had been to Sweden until literally we showed up in the country for me to start my first day of work. 
Um, I was I was hired uh, via telephone and Skype interviews and hadn't actually visited the country until showed up. It's like, well, I'm here. I'm ready to start working. And uh, when I was uh, when we first moved there, the company that hired me at the time I was hired, I was actually the first uh, non-Swede in the office. And so I was working. I was a working as a web developer at that point. And so the the technology group and the advertising agency I was working for. Uh, showed up on a Monday morning to start working, and every Monday that group had a, a standing team meeting. And so, ten o'clock in the morning, we all go into this meeting, and the first thing that the uh, the director says is, "You know, morning, everyone. Now that Scott's here, we're going to be doing these meetings in English for the next while, uh, <laughs> with you know, no pressure, right?" Yeah. Uh, but actually, what I found right away was that all of my coworkers loved that because it gave them a chance to practice their English. Oh, that's good. You see, a lot of these people have have grown up learning English, or they've they've learned English in school, and they've they've seen North American programming and uh, music videos and movies and TV shows, but they haven't had a lot of chance to use it conversationally with a native English speaker. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, you know, I was sort of the captive audience for all of this. Uh, and uh, which didn't help me pick up Swedish as quickly as I would have liked, but uh, it, it actually really helped a lot of my coworkers become much more comfortable with their English. And a number of them actually even commented to me over over the next few months that they felt so much more confident with their English now that they had someone in the office to to practice with and and use it with. So. So that, I found that really interesting. It's funny because um, I know that uh, a mutual friend of yours and mine who would occasionally come out and visit you, Wanye Gretz mm-hmm. from Oilers Nation, actually referred yep. to you as as an ambassador uh, for, for Oilers Nation. But it sounds like, you know, in a lot of ways, you were the ambassador for English speakers in Sweden. <laughs> you know, I, over time, that company I was at, we actually hired some more North Americans. Um, and so... I, I ended up not being the only English speaker. Actually, my wife ended up working in that office for most of the time that I was there as well. So there was, you know, I had at least one other ally in there. I, I was uh, actually going to ask um, because you know, you it sounds like a lot of the impetus for this was uh, your career, and it, maybe at first your wife was a bit of a trailing spouse. What was what was her experience like adjusting to to finding her own kind of work uh, abroad? Well, the, uh, the the first year that we spent in the Netherlands, uh, she ended up getting uh, hooked up through a temporary employment agency and found some work in uh, uh, I'm trying to remember this was so many years ago and it's all gotten a little fuzzy uh, she worked for a company that did uh, developed medications and did clinical trials okay uh, she ended up working in their office doing administrative assistant work um, filing managing records that sort of thing uh, and that was, like I said, through a temporary employment agency. They offered her a three-month contract, and uh, she took it and worked there for a little while. When we moved to Sweden, uh, I'd only been at the job for, I think, a month. And uh, she was offered a role in the office there. It was like, two days a week, kind of helping out at the front desk, um, helping just kind of general office assistant stuff. And the thinking there was that she could come in for a couple of days a week, start to meet people, kind of make her own networks, and use that as a resource to find work somewhere else. That's great. And what actually happened was she worked herself into a full-time job in human resources in that co- that same company. Amazing. Uh, so we ended up working in the same office for two years. Was was uh, that uh, at all awkward or was it fine? Well, it, it was fine, uh, mostly because even though we were in the same office, and it wasn't a huge company, I think it topped out at about 90 employees while I was there. So not a, an enormous place. But 
our actual work responsibilities and jobs never crossed paths. So uh, there was uh, one one guy that I worked with whose wife was a very close coworker of his, and it worked fine for them. Uh, for us, that probably would have ended up with one of us uh, going into early retirement, I think. <laughs> uh, but no, because we, we didn't actually work closely together, working in the same office was fine. You know, we'd see each other, you know, I'd, I'd walk past her desk in the morning, we'd say, see each other at lunch, we'd walk, walk to work and back together because we lived fairly close to the office. Uh, but I mean, that's always a danger if, if you and your, your partner work together, it can be an awful lot of the same person. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't an issue for us because, like I said, our, our job responsibilities during the day never crossed paths. So, well, that's good. Uh, yeah. So it was actually, it was really nice. Um, and sort of a side benefit of that is we had the same, a lot of the same friends, same social circles. So. You know, we made some very, very good friends while we were there, people who we still keep in contact with now, even though it was five years ago that we left. Actually, I've been back to Sweden once to visit some of the friends that we made while we were there. So, yeah, it's been, it was a really good experience for both of us and uh, definitely a time that we uh, look back on very fondly, for sure. And now you're in Germany. Now I'm in Germany, yeah. Left Sweden, ended up back in the Netherlands, back in Amsterdam again for another four years. Wow. Uh, and then... Uh, and it's funny. I've I've been working as a as a service provider for Adidas since 2008, since before I left Canada. Yeah, uh, at various jobs, working on on advertising campaigns for Adidas, and always had kind of thought in the back of my mind that this is probably something that's going to happen someday. Uh, and I've actually been down to the Nuremberg area where Adidas is headquartered uh, for vacation a couple of times because. I've made some very good friends that uh, have worked at Adidas for a number of years, and I've been down here to visit. And every time I'd been down to the Nuremberg area, uh, a little part of my brain always said, "Why don't I live here?" <laughs> and uh, last fall, an opportunity came up, a position opened up within the company that uh, that looked appealing to me. Uh, I sent them off my CV, had a couple of phone calls, came down here for a day to visit. And uh, was offered uh, a role here in November of last year, and then moved down here at the end of January. Started work in February. So, and so yeah. far, it's a it's an experience you've enjoyed. Tell me about the area. You said it's a, a student town. Yeah, Erlangen, where I'm living, uh, is a town of about a hundred thousand people, uh, and it's it's about twenty kilometers outside of Nuremberg. Which, uh, if you've studied your World War II history, should immediately jump out as you out at you as a place of great interest. Mm-hmm. Um, Nuremberg is a town of, a, I think, about 600,000 people. I'm not exactly sure, to be quite honest. Um, but like I said, Erlangen is a, is a, a lovely town, about 100,000 people. I live just outside the city center so I can walk or ride my bike into town. Uh, I actually don't even have a driver's license anymore. That's the other side benefit of having lived in the city center of Amsterdam for so long. My Canadian driver's license expired in 2012, and I just never bothered to renew it. And you're always uh, riding bikes. I'll, I ride bikes, or I walk, or take public transit if I have to. Wow! But uh, the the city that Adidas is headquartered in is a, a small German town called Herzogenarok, mm-hmm. which is literally about 16,000 people. Uh, it's a, a small little. I, I would I would call it a village. Yeah. Uh, but both Adidas and Puma are headquartered there. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, there, there's a whole history there. Adidas and Puma were actually uh, originally founded by two brothers. Okay. Uh, which is why the companies still don't get along very well to this day. <laughs> uh, but 
so it's funny in this this small town of sixteen thousand people, you have these two massive global athletic apparel brands both headquartered there, started up by the same family eons ago, and they fight um, with each other. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we're we're the bigger of the two at this point, but uh, you no, know, their their main headquarters is only a, about a kilometer and a half away from ours. And uh, it's funny when I the, the days that I take the bus into work in the morning. Uh, you can always tell which company people work for by the shoes they're wearing. Of course. Herzogenarok <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually has been referred to by outsiders as the city of the people with bent necks. Because you can always tell people are always looking down at the ground to see what shoes people are wearing to see which company they work for. <laughs> uh, in fact, in the town square, there's a, uh, a statue of, uh, of an old man, a cobbler, an old man building shoes. And in front of him are four children playing tug of war. Two children on one side, two on the other. And if you look closely, the two children on one side are wearing Puma shoes. The two children on the other side are wearing Adidas. Like it's, so they, the, the culture of this town is built around these, these two companies, basically. They live and breathe shoes. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of loath to ask. What do you, what do you talk about with, with the people in these towns? Just shoes? Um, well, because I don't really speak German, for me, not much, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I wish them good morning and, and ask for another beer, please. And that's really about it. That's all you need. Uh, yeah, I got the basics down. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny, actually. Uh, I, to be honest, I, I haven't had the chance to meet a lot of people outside of work yet uh, since I've been here. So, um, but I, I did, uh, I spent an afternoon at a, at a beer garden, as you do in this part of the world. Sure. Uh, with uh, a couple of my colleagues and then some friends of theirs, some people they've got to know while being here, uh, including a, a guy who works at Puma. And so I sat in, and drank beer with a, a high-level Puma employee for an afternoon. And we very carefully avoided the topic of shoes completely. <laughs> uh, you know, and actually, as it turns out, uh, this guy was from uh, Minnesota. Oh. So, you know, another, another North American expat. Interesting. Uh, yeah. There's... I'm living in the southeast of Germany, but a company the size of Adidas, of course, has a lot of international employees. So there are quite a few expats uh, around. In fact, at work, being a, someone who only speaks English hasn't really been a problem yet. Yeah. Um, because there are, first of all, everyone, every German that I work with speaks English just fine. And there are so many other North Americans, uh, people from other European countries, people from Asia. I actually work with quite a few South Africans as well. So hmm. uh, we do have people from all over here. And, uh, and how would yeah. you say that uh, Canadians are perceived, not just, you know, in the company uh, that you work at, but also, uh, you know, in, in the town you live in? It's a good question. I, 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 don't, I don't know any other Canadians specifically who live around me. But, uh, you know, when I go out to a restaurant or, or a coffee shop or something in town here, uh, as soon as the, the little bits of broken German that I try to use, of course, right away, flag me as someone who's not from here because I don't have the right accent or I'm getting words totally wrong. Um, but right away, people who are, I'm talking to will switch into English or uh, will right away often want to know where I'm from, what I'm doing here. And of course, they think, especially coming up to summertime, they think I'm here as a tourist or I'm on vacation. <laughs> uh, when I explain, no, actually, I, I live here. I moved here in February, and I'm, I'm working for Adidas. And right away, as soon as as soon as you throw down the name of, of Adidas or Puma or one of the big employers out here, 
people are often very interested to know where you came from, why you would want to move to this part of the world, and how do you like it so far. And uh, sometimes people are surprised to hear how much I've loved it here since I've arrived. Really? Uh, yeah. And I think and I think that's sort of pretty common of anywhere. It becomes so familiar to you that you start to think, why would anyone else, anyone else want to come here? It's true. Uh, and so like for me, after having lived in, you know, in one of the, the major European cities, uh, Amsterdam is a very tourist heavy city. It's, it's, it's not huge. It's not big, like a London or a Paris, but it's, it's a big city. It's a busy city. There's lots going on. And then to move here, people here automatically assume that I'm going to be bored all of the time, <laughs> uh, which is, is completely not the truth. Um, I've actually found since moving here that that kind of small town, German, southeastern Bavarian, Swiss Franconia uh, lifestyle has agreed with me very, very well. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've found it energizing just the fact that like I, my apartment, I've got a huge patio in my apartment. And as soon as I walk outside, I can hear birds uh, and the birds chirping here are so loud compared to living in Amsterdam where all I heard around my apartment were scooters. Yeah. Uh, I can actually so, hear the birds chirping right now. Well, I, I'm, I'm walking around my apartment as we're talking. Occasionally I walk it onto the patio and uh, then I realize I'm talking and I'm probably annoying the neighbors. So then I go back inside, but uh <laughs> Yeah, just the, the the lifestyle here. It's it's slower. It's it's uh, it's more relaxed. Uh, also, coming from having worked in the advertising industry, where uh, working until seven, eight, nine p.m. every day is kind of the accepted norm, uh, for me to leave work at five, five thirty, six at the latest every day uh, is it, it's like having a brand new lease on life in a lot of ways. No kidding. Uh, yeah. So. So given all this and all your experiences, do, do you guys ever think, man, we kind of miss Canada? Um, well, funny, my wife is actually back in Canada right now. Oh, okay. Um, she's originally from, from Surrey, from the Vancouver area. Um, she, she's actually in Edmonton right this moment. Oh. Um, she was back visiting her parents in Surrey last week. And then uh, because she was already in Canada, she made a stopover in Edmonton. Uh, my family is there. Her sister lives in Edmonton as well. So. Uh, she stopped off there to see some friends. So, you know, we, we do definitely have strong ties back to Canada. Our families are there. Friends are there. Uh, since we moved over here in 2009, I've actually only been back to Canada twice. No way. Uh, you know, once for, for a vacation. And unfortunately, I had to go back last year as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, my, well, both of our families have come out to visit. Uh, my mother, uh, in her 70s, made her very first trip to Europe last year. That's awesome. Uh, came out and spent two weeks with us in Amsterdam. Wow. Uh, my wife's parents have come out uh, a number of times to visit in the Netherlands and while we were living in Sweden as well. So even though, you know, we haven't been back a lot, um, I've had to fly over to the United States for work a few times as well, but uh, we haven't been back to Canada very much, but we still have very, very strong ties to people back there. Uh, I'm, I'm still an Oilers fan. I always will be. In fact, I'm actually wearing an Edmonton Oilers t-shirt right now. Had a boy. Way, way to go, man. <laughs> Representing the, the, the team that's been the worst team in the league for the last decade. It's exciting last uh, place hockey. ELPH, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so we definitely have very strong ties back to, to friends and family and, and the culture there for sure. Yeah. Um, will, we, will we end up living back in Canada again? You know, Who's to say? If you'd asked me five years ago where I saw myself in five years, I probably wouldn't have said Bavaria. So, uh, so who knows? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I know uh, my I, my wife would definitely like to be back in Canada. It's next year is uh, the 150th yep. centennial, isn't it? So I know she wants to be back for that. So we'll probably be back next summer. You know, and if my mom is listening, she'll uh, she'll be very happy to hear that. Um, but uh, yeah, we know. Will we end up living back in Canada? I have no idea. Yeah, fair um, enough. That's it's a tough but, call, right? Yeah, you know, like I said, you've, if you asked me five, if you asked me a year ago where I'd be in a year, I don't know if I would have said this. So no, probably not. I, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. So. <laughs> well, okay. Actually, what? No, I know exactly what I'm doing tomorrow. I have to clean my house because my wife comes home on Tuesday. So. <laughs> there you go. Now I do have one last question for you, Scott, and that is because you you are a an experienced uh, expat, an experienced traveler. What kind of advice would you give to other Canadians who are thinking about taking the leap? Well, in, in two words, I'd say do it. There is, there is no substitute for experience. When I was in college uh, in Edmonton, uh, my roommate and I had talked about coming over to Europe and we wanted to, you know, with typical college guys, we wanted to rent motorcycles and drive across the continent. And we bought maps and put them up on the wall in our, in our apartment and, and we had all these grandiose plans and uh, things we we're going to do and see, and it never happened. Yeah. Uh, and it's so easy to come up with ideas, and it's so easy to start planning. You know what? Just do it. I got lucky because someone paid for me to come over here. Yeah. Uh, which definitely helps. I won't lie. I mean, that was that was very, 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 very comforting knowing I had that bit of a safety net. But it's so easy to to come up with ideas and then not follow through or to get intimidated by the fact that, well, I don't speak the language or uh, what if, you know, I don't fit in. You know what? You're not going to speak the language and you're not going to fit in at first. And you're going to do stupid things like buy buttermilk in the grocery store. (laughs) And these all become stories and experiences that you can share later on. People are the same everywhere you go in a lot of ways. Everyone's intimidated. Everyone's kind of scared in their own way. Meeting strangers is scary regardless of language barriers or culture barriers. Here's a perfect example. When I lived in the Netherlands, the first year I lived there, the apartment building that I lived in was older than Canada. It was built in the early 1800s. Wow. Canada, 1860. Well, I guess Canada officially 1982, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's true. another story. Um, but yeah, if, if you're thinking that you might like to do this someday, you know, don't, don't wait. Mm-hmm. If you have the chance to go, go. It, it, it's such a different culture. It's such a different world. And uh, I, I wouldn't, I, I've had definite difficulties and, and problems coming over here. Uh, immigration and getting work permits renewed can be a, a, a pain in the ass sometimes. But in the end, would I trade these experiences for anything? Not on your life. Just do it. Interesting advice from an Adidas insider. But hey, Who am I to argue with someone who's lived and breathed the expat's experience for almost a decade? And that concludes this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to The Expats on the iTunes Music Store, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And make sure you leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks.